Um, so we're in week three of this series that we've been, uh, we've been talking about uh, called Shape to Share. And the big idea, if you're just joining us, is the idea that, that God has uniquely uh, created and called and commissioned us uh, to share our faith with others in ways that are, are, are authentically us. Uh, God wants you to share your faith in a way that's authentically you. And, and when we do that, uh, it's, it's, uh, God does amazing things. And, and, and there are times where God calls us to step out of our comfort zone, out of our natural way of doing things. But, but God's also given us these gifts and abilities. Uh, we've talked about this not only to serve, but, but to share. And so when we're sharing our faith uh, individually and corporately, we're living into this vision that God has for us uh, that we've talked about a lot as a fellowship family of sharing life together in Christ. We've talked about how we can't share what we don't have. And so uh, that it's really about this life of faith that we have and this life together that we have that, uh, that is such a sweet thing that we can share with others and that the world is, is longing for. People are longing for that, that connection. And so we have an opportunity to share that with them. And so that's kind of what this series is about. And I've shared with you that I've been reading this book uh, called Contagious Faith by uh, author named Mark Middleberg, and in it he lays out what what uh, are called the five contagious faith styles. He says God's uniquely equipped uh, the body of Christ with these different ways of sharing our faith, and and, um, and I shared with you the list last week. I want to share with you again. It's these different unique ways of sharing our faith. We do this through friendship building and and selfless serving, story sharing, reason giving, truth telling. He says probably all of us will connect with one or two of these as a way that we most, most authentically share our faith. And, and we, but, but that we need to know and, and practice all of them because they're all a part of the body of Christ. And we did a neat thing last week where I asked people to raise their hand on which one resonated with them the most. And, and it was this beautiful picture. All five of them were represented in the room. And, and yet... Uh, you know, there was such diversity in, in which ones resonated. So it was, a, it was a beautiful picture of this body of Christ, and it's a beautiful picture of what our anchor verse is for this series, 1 Corinthians 12. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And so when we live into this, we see the beauty of, of different expressions of, of faith, but the same God who is the source of our sharing and the source of our faith. It's, it's kind of like music, right? When, when you hear those beautiful harmonies, not everybody's singing the same note, but, but it's this beautiful sound that comes forth from it. I think that's a picture of, of the body of Christ, how we're shaped to serve and we're shaped to share. And that's, that's kind of the point of this. We don't all have to do it in the same way, but we do it in ways that reflect who God has uniquely created and called and commissioned us to be. So, so that's why we're going to look at each one of these over the next few weeks. Last week we looked at friendship building, and this week we're going to look at what the, the, the book calls selfless serving. And, and similar to the question I threw out to you last week, I want to ask you another question this morning. It's going to have, uh, have you uh, kind of think back in your mind and consider what face, here's the question, what face do you see when you think of selfless serving? What, what picture in your mind is there when you think of selfless serving? 
Maybe it's Mother Teresa. Or, or maybe it's your own mother. Uh, maybe it's Billy Graham. Or maybe it's your Sunday school teacher from when you were a kid. Maybe it's a, uh, a leader or a volunteer in a nonprofit organization like Habitat for Humanity or the United Way. Or maybe it's, maybe it's one of your best friends who, who restores your faith in humanity in their own unique way. Uh, maybe it's the heroes of the faith that we see throughout the pages of the Bible. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's some hometown heroes that you've seen in the pages of the Daily News Journal. Maybe it's celebrities like Audrey Hepburn or Keanu Reeves or some of these folks that we know do a lot of great things in the world. Or maybe it's, maybe it's that person in your neighborhood that you don't know their name, but you see them outside picking up trash or, or fixing things for the people that live in your neighborhood. What picture, what face do you see when you think of selfless serving? As I reflected on that this week and I kind of did that exercise for myself, I was really blessed just by sitting back and taking inventory of all the, the people that I've known and served with that are selfless servers and have impacted my life in my ministry. Uh, but one particular came to mind that I wanted to share with you this week uh, as I was preparing for this message and, and a, a story that, that I've never told, uh, even though it happened over 20 years ago. And it just reminded me this week, for some reason, it stood out above all the others as an example of, of selfless serving in the way that I want to talk about it this morning. Uh, I met a woman over 20 years ago. Her name was uh, Pastor Marianne. Everybody in the neighborhood called her Pastor Marianne. She was the pastor of this little Lutheran church in the, in the town that I lived in during my summer that I, I worked for the mission organization called YouthWorks. You all have heard me talk about that experience before. And uh, if you haven't, uh, basically it was this youth mission organization. We facilitated mission trips for youth groups. They would come and stay at the church that we were staying in that summer. And then we would take them out into the community and we would give them opportunities to serve the community. And so uh, Pastor Marianne was one of our hosts. Even though we weren't staying in the church where she was the pastor, she was heavily involved in serving in this community, and she was well-known as, as a selfless server. And so she helped connect us with folks where we could serve as well. And so we spent the whole summer in soup kitchens and homeless shelters and nursing homes and recovery centers and closed closets and all these different organizations that, that served a wide variety of people. And so we spent the whole summer building relationships with those folks and, and serving them and serving together. And uh, one of the neat things that happened at the very end of the summer was we, we had a community cookout at the church. And we invited all of our ministry partners, not just the volunteers and leaders, but all the participants as well. And uh, we had this big cookout, and then after the cookout was over, we went into the gymnasium of the church, and we had a, a, a program. But it, it wasn't like a, a churchy program. It was basically just like this open mic talent show, and anybody that wanted to, to get up and share could get up and share. And I'd never seen anything like it. Because again, it wasn't just the, the leaders. It wasn't just the folks that were from the church or from these organizations. It was the folks in the community that we had been serving throughout the summer. And so they got up and shared their talents. And I'll never forget this, this man that we had served food to at the soup kitchen all summer. Uh, he brought his classical guitar with him and, and he played the most beautiful song that he had written himself. 
And I'll never forget a couple other folks that we had worked with that um, that got up and did this little kind of SNL sketch, this funny little skit, and and uh, we just saw them in this whole different light. And 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 I'll never forget the kids from the youth groups that got up and they they started sharing their talents and they started sharing their testimonies about how they had learned and experienced so much during that summer uh, serving those people. And and then some of the folks that they had served got up and shared. How, what their experience was like as well. It was, it was this beautiful uh, picture of the kingdom of God, uh, that we weren't just serving these folks, that we were serving with them, that everyone brought something to the table. Again, it was this beautiful picture of the kingdom uh, until uh, we heard this, this man shouting uh, angrily in the back of the room, and we turned around and we saw it was this it was this person uh, from the church that led a group at the church, uh, and we'd had a few run-ins with, with them over the summer. You can imagine having a bunch of teenagers living in a church for a summer. Uh, it was disruptive, and um, this particular uh, person had a real hard time with it, and I think by the end of the summer, he'd kind of had enough, and so he came in there, and, and I'm going to paraphrase what he said, but <laughs> he, uh, he basically said that we were making too much noise, and we needed to go and find another place to meet so that his group could meet in peace. And I remember in that moment that everything in the room just went silent. I mean, after he got done talking, the, you could hear a pin drop and, and everyone was just kind of frozen in fear, including myself. And that silence seemed to last for a long time, but what broke the silence was I heard these little clip-clop of, of, of feet on the hardwood floor in the gym, and I looked over, and it was it was little Pastor Marianne. She was about five foot, nothing. Um, she was a, a, a small lady, but um, she she was walking from her seat in the front of the gym to the very back of the gym uh, to go have a conversation uh, with this man. And uh, and he was a pretty big guy. And again, Marianne was maybe five feet tall, but she walked right uh, right up to him. And uh, I don't know what she said. I didn't know what she said at the time, but I saw her pointing her finger up at this man and then pointing her finger over at us and then pointing her finger at the, uh, at the room that he had come out of. And then after a few minutes, it seemed like that this man that she was talking to, that he was about five feet tall and Marianne was about 10 feet tall. And then she just quietly walked back up, and again, I heard those clip-clopping, I can still hear them today, um, after she got done talking to him, and everybody's eyes are just fixed on, on her. She walks right past everybody else, right past her seat in the front row, and she walks up onto the stage, and she starts to sing. When I am afraid, oh, when I am afraid, Oh, when I am afraid, give me Jesus. And when she gets to the chorus, some other people start singing too. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Give me Jesus. Twenty years later, I still remember that like it was yesterday. I, 
And I just, I've often reflected on how that made all those folks in the room feel. It was such a powerful demonstration of God's love in action, followed by this powerful proclamation. And the message that I think was spoken that day and unspoken was that everyone had value. Everyone had the right to be there. Everyone mattered to God. And everyone needed to know that truth that day. Even the gentleman that that Miss Marianne went and spoke to. We needed to hear that truth. And through her words and her actions that day, she told us just that. And a little bit later on, after everybody had gone, we asked we asked Pastor Marianne what she said to the man, and she just smiled, and she was the most kind, gentle, humble person. She said, I told him that what was happening out here was just as important as what was happening in there. And as I thought about that this week, I thought, you know what? That'll preach. What's happening out there is every bit as important as what's happening in here. I've told you about my friend that tells his congregation every week, if, if what we do in here doesn't matter out there, then what we do in here doesn't matter. I think that's the, the foundation of selfless serving. We talked about last week how we live in this culture that's increasingly suspicious of anything religious or institutional, how people are probably less likely to darken the doors of a church than at any time in the history of our country. And so not only does the phrase we talked about last week mean more than any mean more than ever, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, but but I believe this one is true as well. Preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. Now, I most certainly think that there is a time and place for us to use words. Our actions should lead to that sharing of the gospel with words. But I think it's safe to say that, that we can't really preach the gospel if, without selfless serving because that's what the gospel's all about. Amen? The gospel over and over again teaches us that Jesus didn't just come to preach. He came to serve. His ministry on earth was one of demonstration of the kingdom followed by proclamation of the kingdom. Jesus showed people what the kingdom of God looks like and then he said the kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe the good news. Turn and follow me. See, friends, we're learning uh, that sharing our faith not only helps others know and love and serve Jesus, it helps us grow in our understanding and appreciation and obedience to Jesus as well. We're learning that as we learn more about these contagious faith styles, we're learning that Jesus was all of these things and more. And when we're sharing our faith, we learn to know and love and serve Jesus more deeply. We're growing in our understanding and obedience to Christ. Because when we're, we're practicing these things in our lives, we can't help but become more like Jesus. Because Jesus was, was a friendship builder. He was a selfless server. He was a, sh a story sharer. He was a reason giver. He was a truth teller. And he is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the word made flesh in and through us. 
And so today, what I what I want you to hear from the scripture that we're going to listen to, you're, you're going to hear today, is how Jesus, how selfless serving was a key component to Jesus's life and ministry, and how it can be a key component of our life and ministry as well. See, in God's word, Jesus makes this powerful proclamation. He says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave because just as the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. But you know, before he made that powerful proclamation, he made a a powerful demonstration of what servant leadership, selfless servant leadership looks like. It was a lesson for all who would come after him. And so that's our scripture lesson for today. It's from John's gospel, chapter 13, verses one through five. Hear this God's word for us today. It was just before Passover. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to his father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and he was returning to God. Let me stop there for just a second. Can you imagine what that must have been like for Jesus? Remember, Jesus is God, but Jesus is also human, right? So Jesus knew that he was about to die. He knew that one of his friends was about to betray him. He knew that all authority and power had been given to him. You know, if you think about it, if there was ever a time for someone to think about themselves, it was then, right? Jesus could have been overwhelmed with the pressure. Jesus could have been overcome with the pain. Jesus could have been overtaken with his own pride. How many of us would have done that? I I know I could have been. I probably would have been. Uh, any and all of those. And Jesus, in his humanness, maybe he could have been too if he had chosen to think about himself. But it was in that moment that Jesus chose a different way. Do you remember what he did? So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Then he says, I've given you this example. Now go and do likewise. One of my favorite authors, Richard Foster, describes the situation like this. He says, gathered at the Passover feast, the disciples were keenly aware that someone needed to wash the other's feet. The problem was the only people who washed feet were the least. So there they sat, feet caked with dirt. It was such a sore point, they weren't even going to talk about it. No one wanted to be considered the least. Then Jesus took a towel and a basin and he redefined greatness. And he helps us rediscover what selfless service is all about. Friends, I truly believe that for the gospel to impact 
our community, our country, our church, our culture where, where people are spiritual but not religious, where people are skeptical about anything that has to do with organized religion. I believe now more than ever, we need not just a proclamation of the word of God, but we need a demonstration of the word made flesh, made fresh through folks like you and me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, the church doesn't need more brilliant personalities, but faithful servants of Jesus in the community. We live in this age of celebrity pastors and supersized churches and supercharged worship services. But you know what I think we really need is just for some regular folks like you and me to step outside of ourselves and serve those around us as a demonstration of our faith in Jesus Christ, the one who came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I think that's why Jesus says, let your light shine before others so that they might see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. So just like we have every week, I wanna, I wanna close by sharing with you just some examples of how, how this contagious faith style might, might look in your own life and in, in our life together. The book gives some practical steps of what, what, what the author calls key skills for every Christian. And these are just simply some things that maybe we can all do to take a step towards this idea of selfless serving as a part of our life and our life together. And, and not surprisingly, it starts with the heart. The first thing he says is we need to nurture a spirit of empathy in our hearts. Empathy is defined as an understanding of being, a, being aware of, being sensitive to, vicariously experiencing the feelings, thoughts, and experiences of others. Again, we can't share what we don't have, right? And so, so God does a good work in our hearts so that we can have a heart for others. It reminds me of that song that, that Pastor Lee and the worship team lead us in all, a lot called Hosanna. Do you remember the, the, the bridge to that song? It, it's a prayer. It says, heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. And it also says, break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom cause as I walk from earth into eternity. It also reminds me of Jesus's golden rule. Do to others as, as you would have them do to you. See, nurturing this idea of empathy in our life is about identifying, I think it starts with identifying our own need for God and God's gracious heart and action to meet our need. And then we allow ourselves to minister from that place, that heart that's been healed and that heart that's been broken and poured out for others. I believe it's stepping out outside of ourselves to, to ask these questions. I, I wonder what it feels like to be in that situation. I wonder what I would feel like if I were in that situation. Or maybe, maybe you know what it felt like to be in that situation, right? And then the final question, what would I want someone to do for me in that situation? 
Well, what did someone do for me while I was in that situation? And how can I now do that for someone else? That's what, what it's like to live from a place of, of empathy and then stepping out in faith to do it in Jesus' name. It, it could be a kind word, a held door, a paid-for meal, an unexpected visit, a mowed lawn for a neighbor, a night out for some tired parents, a sacrifice for someone else that serves as a demonstration of what might turn into a proclamation of God's love in action. And opportunities like that are all around if we have eyes to see them and ears to hear them. That, that gets me to the second one. The second thing was make room for, for what, what the author calls divine interruptions. He says we need to stay open, watching for divine interruptions that God might be opening up to us while we're on the way to doing other things. It makes me think about the, the, uh, the John Lennon quote, right? Life is what happens while we're making other plans. I, I believe that this is so true in the life of faith, especially in this idea of, of selfless service. I was reminded of, of a, a, a skit that we used, to, we used to do when I was in youth group. Uh, and it, it starts with this young man kneeling at a prayer bench in his apartment. And, and he's praying to God, God, I want you to use me. I want you to use me according to your will. And, and as he's praying for God to use him, the doorbell rings. And it's this group from the community. And, and they're asking if, if he'd like to donate... Uh, cans to this local food drive and and he's he's real frustrated by it and he says not now I'm praying and he goes back to his prayer bench and he starts praying again pouring his heart out God I'm a vessel in your hand if you'll just show me how I can serve you in any way God nothing is too big nothing is too small and the phone rings and it's one of his friends and he says hey you know I'm kind of in a bad spot here my I had some folks that were going to help me come move, and they backed out on me. Could you come give me a hand for just a minute? And again, the young man says, you know, frustratedly, not now. I'm praying. You see where this is going. So it happens a couple more times, and, and uh, the skit ends with this young man looking up to heaven and saying, God, why don't you ever answer my prayers? <laughs> I wonder how many times we've done that, if we're honest. We say, God, I want you to use me. And, and those times have come, but they haven't come in the way or at the time that, that we want them to. I know that I've learned after uh, over 20 years in ministry that people's needs and, and personal crises rarely happen according to my schedule. And I'm sure it's true for you as well. Those opportunities come while we're busy making other plans. And so maybe we need to be reminded that we need to be open to those divine interruptions in our lives and, and be willing to adapt in order to allow God to work in and through us. That's the selfless serving part of those divine interruptions. There is one more thing in the book that it talks about, kind of the, the other side of that equation and being available to help people and being wise about serving in a way that's healthy as we navigate these other relationships. It, he talks about, number three, developing discernment about who and how to serve. This is a real practical piece. And again, um, we look at the life of Jesus, how Jesus in his life and ministry, he knew that there were times 
that he needed to go and serve and, and be present for people. And he also knew when there were times that he needed to, to walk away, to go on to the next place or to, to, to step back and, and be refilled in prayer, right? The book says if the incarnate son has to pass on certain situations, then you and I will certainly need to do so as well. And, and in order to do that, he says we need the wisdom of Scripture and the guidance of the Holy Spirit on when to say yes and when to say no. It reminded me of another author that I've come to, to really know and respect. Um, and this is kind of a paraphrase of something that he says. But he says we need to learn how to say no to most things, even things that matter, so that we can say yes to those things that matter most. And see, this takes a great deal of faith and discernment and, and time spent with God to learn those rhythms of grace that teach us to serve like Jesus. And there aren't, there's not a simple, easy formula to that. And so uh, I think all I can leave you with today is, is what I think is a good place to start. And an encouragement and a challenge. What if we started today with this simple prayer, again from, from Richard Foster. He shares this simple prayer that, that I think is at the heart of selfless serving. He prays, Lord Jesus, as it would please you, bring me someone today whom I can serve. Would you be willing to join me in praying that prayer today and, and maybe every day this week? Lord Jesus, as it would please you, Bring me someone today whom I can serve. If, you, if you're willing to pray that prayer, I just want to encourage you. Be ready. Don't get caught up in the not now I'm praying. <laughs> be on the lookout for someone to serve today. Be ready for God to interrupt your plans with his purpose. And when he does, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you give the reason for the hope that you have. Amen? Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for this opportunity for us to be in worship today, to hear your word, and to be uh, reminded of the word made flesh, your son Jesus, who came and, and lived and died and rose again as an act of service. That he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom many. We thank you for that good news that you've entrusted to us, God. Help us to go from this place today and preach the gospel, and if necessary, and when necessary, use words. Lord, we thank you for your grace that meets us right where we are, and so graciously leads us forward in your love, not only for us, but for this world that you came to save. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear, and hearts that are willing to respond to those divine interruptions in our lives that you've given to us, not only to be a blessing to others, but so that we might be blessed and encouraged as well. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. We sing the closing song. Our, our altar's open if you want to come and pray. If, if you want someone to pray with you, I'd love to pray with you. If you just want to stay where you are, just uh, allow God to speak to your heart this morning and respond in, in whatever way he's calling you to. But let's stand as we sing.